we're going to do that all morning long. And when you leave here today, we'll do it again and again. And it's exciting to be right here at the very beginning of this day in this worship service with you. Hearing these songs sung to the Lord and praising his name. And, and uh, we're, we're talking about what God has done. And God's done work in your life. He's done work in my life. He is, he is active and alive. And we're taking some time in these Sundays to look in God's word and see where Jesus encountered the lives of people in the gospel of Luke. And when they came away from that, in many of the cases, their lives were changed. Jesus did an incredible work. And as we look at that, we're also hearing from people in our own church family where God has worked in their life. And this morning, I have asked Melanie Howard if she would come and share with us what God has done in her life. And she'll do that this hour and the next hour and the next hour. So you know how to carry her through this day, all right? And Melanie, um, longtime teacher in our community, faithful servant here in the life of our church, a blessing to all of you that know her. And again and again, I run into students that she had that speak of the impact that she's had in their life. Melanie, you're among friends and family right here. We love you. And uh, you come right now, and we want to hear from you how God has worked in your life. All right. What if you all just clapped, like just to break the atmosphere a little bit here? It's good. Melanie, share with us today. This is nothing like standing in front of a classroom. I tell you what. Um, it's funny, a lot of um, what I, well, I just, I just need to pray first, please. Just pray with me. And I don't, I don't normally do this in front of people, so thank you, God. Um, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your words that you're going to give me. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done giving our sins promising eternity with you the Bible says you know where two or more meet that there you will be and um, we've got a lot more than two here so thank you for being with us um, all of us and um, I pray that you're just in all of us um, I've been kind of praying this week um prayer of David, God, that he said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he's right beside me. And I'm obviously a little shaky here, but um, I know you're by me. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for being right here with me. I'm depending on you and your solid ground. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So when, um, excuse me, I only have one Kleenex. I got to I gotta work with that. Um, when my, when my, 
And thank you, Julie, for showing your emotion. I really needed that because I'm right behind. I'm right with you, girl. Um, when Mike gave his testimony last week, um, at the end, when he quoted a verse from Revelation, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's going to be 3:20." Sure enough, there it was. All about that knock, right? Well, that's kind of, and I'm I'm going to read. I had to write it down because I knew I would just fumble with it a little bit um look i stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice and open the door i will come in and we will share a meal together as friends that's so true that's so true so thank you mike for ending yours with that and that's kind of this knock that i've felt for a long time until i actually opened the door and let him in um, when I was 47, no less. So I always say that he waited a long time. He was knocking for a long time, but then I knew exactly what I was being saved from. So, um, so thank you, Mike, for sharing that. And thank you, Carlos, for giving us the opportunity, all of us the opportunity to come up here and share what God has done in our lives. Um, yeah, I knew after last week, he, God gave me a big nudge, and I was like, la, 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 no. But um, I know how that works, and obviously, I know my la, la, la didn't work well because I'm standing right here. So um, those nudges, you know, and those knocks are big things, and um, I just pray that we, we listen to those, we feel those, and we answer those. They're life-changing, um, as it was for me, so... Um, I didn't grow up in church. My sister always tells um, tells me that um, we did go to Sunday school, but maybe I was too young. I don't know. I don't remember any of that. I um, My background of church and Bible and God is it was about nothing. So my mom, I guess, um, carrying along three littles, um, it was a lot for her. Um, it was kind of on her shoulders, and she eventually just stopped, I guess. Um, and even through high school and college, I don't really have that recognition of anything with church, and this mirrors so much of what Mike was saying. Um, church, God, I thought of God, I just, I didn't know, because I was, I was handling it all, you know, I had it. I had it all, um. You know, I was that good girl who strived very hard for everything, meandered quite a bit, quite a bit through college, quite a bit. Thank you for that, saving me from that stuff. Um, but, you know, I was, I was that good girl. Um, I've always kind of been that good girl. And when I got married, um, I was kind of that good wife. Um, and I thought that would be something that would really, you know, if I could just be good enough and do good enough, that would fill me up. And that's, that would be it. You know, that, that's good. I got married. Yes, that's it. And when I had kids, oh, that's going to be it. I'm the good mom. I'm just, it's so good. I love my kids. It's so good. But there was still something that was... Um, just missing, just kind of empty. I remember telling my husband one time, I'm like, I'm so tired of myself. Just so tired of myself. 
so nothing was really filling me. Um, in 2010, I think this is all when that knock started first happening, I went to my stepdaughter's um, baptism and I sat in the back just to kind of, I didn't want to catch anything, whatever was going on up there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was obliging and went and um, tears started streaming down my face and um, a lot of crying and I didn't know I did not know why but I think that was the first knock and um, you know everyone from church well a couple people from church came around me and hugged me and asked if I was okay and of course I was fine I was fine and uh, but left that um, I don't know um, I remember another instance where I didn't really know what was happening in hindsight it was another one of those knocks there's a particular song um, I can only imagine and that played on top 40 radio I didn't know there was Christian radio <laughs> of course I didn't know that um, but I heard that and I remember vividly driving up toward Main Street Simonton Bridge Road and I heard that song and I just like I almost needed to pull over I was just crying and I was like what is this you know so music has always been big for me and it's kind of funny my beautiful friend Erica shared um, this is my story with me this morning and then you all played it I was like, okay, God, okay. And uh, before I came up here, too, I was talking with Greg Banks. I know you're in here somewhere. And I said, oh, he knows me. I'm kind of a cut-up. But he said, I said, yeah, I just need a little, you know, to kind of loosen it up a little bit. And uh, he said, well, do you have any knock-knock jokes? And I'm like, oh, my God, Greg, you know what I'm talking about? 320, where Jesus knocks. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Um. So 2012, um, my daughter, who was in third grade, was invited to Awana. Another eight-year-old little girl, that's all it took. Just that invitation, and that was that little seed. I didn't know what Awana was, but I knew the Kenavages, and that was fine. Um, then my son wanted to go. I said, that's fine. He was in kindergarten. Excuse me. That was fine. They loved it. And uh, I remember having to pick up the girls one time from Awana. I sat, I actually sat out in the parking lot waiting for them to come out. Y'all know that that's not how it works, right? You got to go in and pick up your children. I did, had never stepped foot in this church. I didn't know what that was like. And um, I remember Suzanne Deal. I don't know if she's here or not. She came in, looked in the window, and she said, you know you got to come in and pick up the girls, right? <laughs> okay, so stepped in. It wasn't um, long after that that I was invited. If the kids were going, then why don't you go, Melanie? And I said, okay. Over in the Life Building, we sat in the back right quadrant. I always called them quadrants right in the front of that section so there were no chairs in front of me I didn't have any place to put my hands I had no 
I had nothing to hide behind. I had nothing. So everyone was singing. I knew the words were up there, but everyone acted like they really knew these songs. And I was like, what's going on? But every time I heard these songs and looked at the words, it just, just the tears again. Um, and it was November 4th, to be exact, 2012 when all of those knocks, I just kind of got that final one. I guess he, he knew I was really ready. Um, he was just standing there um, knocking and I heard his voice and I opened the door. Well, he kind of just pushed it open actually. And um, I just invited him in. And um, came in and he's been in me ever since just changing me and molding me and refining me and blessing me and saving me and rescuing me so everything kind of became so clear you know all those knocks it kind of became clear but in a real muddied way <laughs> a real overwhelming way you know I finally understood oh I'm not the good girl he's the good He's the good. He's that goodness that I've just been looking for, needing, just needing to feel me. So just kind of like right now, you know, I still feel overwhelmed, but it all makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. There's so many things that happen that I just don't understand how he works. But we're glad he kept pursuing me even when I didn't know it, or even when I would just turn my head and walk away, or even when I la 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 la, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, you know, his goodness is, is so real, and I know a lot of you know that. It's just so real and so powerful. His knocks are gentle. His nudges are soft. But I just pray that um, we all answer those. Make such a difference. Make such a difference. He can powerfully come in and change a life. And um, I'm so glad he changed mine. Thank y'all for listening. so good for us to hear our brother or sister um, in this room tell what Jesus has done and I know as you hear Melanie you just um, you're, you're tracking right along with her celebrating what God's done and um, maybe thinking of your own story and how God worked in your life and how he's working in your life and maybe even in this moment and um, you know, I, I would just, you're, you're sitting here this morning and you hear, okay, Mike heard Justin speak and, and uh, share his testimony and Mike was like, I know God wants me to do that. And then he's up here and then Melanie's like, I know God wants me to do that. And, 
and and now she's up here and some of you are scared to death right now because you're thinking uh, I, I'm supposed to do this and and I'm not coming next Sunday or something like that you know I, I just know that next Sunday that I've already got that covered all right but uh, if Jesus doesn't come back there are a lot of Sundays coming and uh, there's a story in your life and in your heart where God has worked and it's good for us in a in a very artificial world in a very edited world for people to just speak and talk around us and among us about the realness of Jesus Christ and how he's working and what he's doing and because I mean this this is real life. I mean, what we're talking about is eternity. And thank you, Melanie, for giving glory to the Lord of uh, what he's doing in your, in your life and what he's done. Um, let me ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Have, um, has someone ever stolen your story? Anyone ever stolen your story? Um, it, it, you know how it, it works. Like, like you've got this story you want to tell or this story that's going on and you, you realize that somebody beat you to it and they told people maybe your story before you got a chance. I don't know, maybe it's like you got a, this huge promotion at work and you're excited about telling people and you get there and you find out somebody already told your story. Or you've, you, you've got this announcement to make, there's an engagement, or there's a pregnancy, or there's a marriage, there, there, there's a, this, this big uh, trip that's coming, just, you know, it's exciting, you can't wait to be in that environment to be able to tell that story, and you get there, and somebody already told it. I, I think it, it happens sometimes on social media, doesn't any of you have friends or relatives that you're like don't let her put it on Facebook yet you know like we're still we're holding this story just a little bit maybe you know a person meant well uh, maybe uh, it was an accident it, it could be intentional whatever the reason the feelings the same uh, you missed out on a moment you were really looking forward to having a chance to tell that story but someone took that joy from you. And you're like, ah. Well, um, I want to I talk to you about your spiritual story. What God has done in your life. What God is doing in your life. And there's an enemy that wants to steal your story. There's an enemy that wants to steal that joy of telling or declaring what God has done in your life he wants to steal that story from ever happening he wants to steal that story when God does work in your life there are evil forces at work to silence you 
from declaring all that God has done and is doing in your life. If you don't believe me, think about how easy it is today to talk about the Bulldogs or the Falcons or the weather or the economy or your health or the places you love to eat or the things you love to do or the places you like to go but never get out the most important long-lasting story of what God has done and what he's doing if the devil and his demons cannot have your soul they will attempt to steal your story they will attempt to silence you to stifle you to scare you in Luke chapter 8 we have this uh, picture a very dramatic picture story of how God worked in the life of a man and for many years the enemy was keeping this man's life silent when it came to giving glory to God and the story ends with this man being able to declare the work of the Lord. Now, already this morning I've mentioned the devil, I've mentioned demons, I've mentioned stealing and stifling. I mean, it's a pretty dramatic scene. In fact, the stories as you go through the Gospel of Luke, they're pretty wild and woolly. And you... There, some of them are amazing, some of them are inspiring. You go all the way back to when we started this series, we talked about Jesus saying, launch out into the deep, and there was this huge uh, catch of fish, so much so that the boat began to sink, and they had to ask people to come and help, and Simon Peter was told he would become fishers of men. Then Justin talked to us about the tearing off of a roof, I mean, we, we hear this room crack and pop and crackle, and we think, well, the wind's strong. Or people heard a roof crack, and it was people coming through it. It's crazy. And last week, we talked about the woman that was weeping at the feet of Jesus, literally wiping his feet with her hair. Uh, this, this morning, we're going to talk about demons and pigs and um, death and life. You go all the way back, and, and not just the, the stories here, but it's been amazing stories. We heard about the Kemp's calling. You hear about Justin being saved in high school. You hear about Mike being saved while he's selling books. Melanie talking about being in a life building on November 4th, 2012, and her life being changed forever. Well... When we believe the good news of Jesus, we get a great story. We get a great story. Today, if you're trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have a great story. You have a miraculous story. You didn't do this on your own. You didn't forgive your sins on your own. I didn't forgive your sins. You passed from death to life. You went from having a future and 
hell to, as we sang just a moment ago, to hell losing another one where heaven would be your home one day. That's a great story. Amen? Even at 8.30 in the morning, come on. That's a great story of how God has worked in your life. And I want to exhort you today, don't let that story be stolen. Don't let that story be silenced. Don't let that story be private. Look in Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to read here. And as we read through these verses, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have questions. Every time I read it, I'll probably get a new set of questions when I read through it right now. It is a story that is told in three of the four Gospels. It is a story that has been debated and discussed ever since it happened and certainly since it was recorded. It is a story where there's lots of debate about how this could happen. Was this real? Was this true? And especially this scene of pigs having demons enter into them and them dying. What was Jesus doing? Is that even righteously uh, possible? What, what's happening here? And uh, there are a lot of things here that make us curious. But I do believe that one of the wins of the enemy is for us to get um, uh, focused on the pig's death and completely miss uh, a man's new life. And uh, Satan would love to take this story and get us uh, off on tangents and distracted by the events. But like any good story, it's got some things in here that you're like, we don't know what to do with those. It's just, that's, that's what happened. Look in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. And he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time and had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. A legion represents about 6,000 soldiers. That was the term that was used for Roman armies that would describe a, 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 a group of soldiers in, in, a, in, a, in a working group. And he just identified himself as legion for many demons had entered him. Verse 31, and they begged him, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these so he gave them permission. That's Jesus. Jesus gave them permission. Gave the demons permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned and when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those, it was interesting, they were, they were afraid of him when he was naked, and they were afraid of him when he was dressed. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him, speaking of Jesus, asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And if there was a win today, it would be this. That we would leave from this room today with the freedom and confidence and boldness and excitement of proclaiming throughout this whole city all that God has done for us. That's it. That our story would not be silenced. Now, I won't answer all your questions today. This is not a 30-minute talk on demons. It's not, um, I'm not going to be able to explain what happened with the pigs. There'll be a lot of questions and a lot of things for you to discuss over lunch and this afternoon. Enjoy this day. But in the midst of this, tell your story. The enemy wants us to focus in the wrong place. But for a few minutes here, I want to divide this talk into a section of three parts. I want to speak to you for a minute as one has called in olden days the underworld, the world, and the overworld. I want to speak to you just a little bit about the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of light. In my Bible, I circled three words in this passage. In verse 27, I circled the word demons. That's the underworld. Then I circled in verse 28 the name Jesus. And that's the overworld. That's the kingdom of light. And then I circled in verse 35 the reference to the man. And that's the world, that's the kingdoms of the world, that's a life that was changed. This is the one who had the story. And I want to give you three facts about each of these. First of all, the demons, and I'll move through these uh, pretty rapidly. Three facts about the demons, the underworld, the kingdom of darkness. Number one, demons know the mission. Demons know the mission. Demons know what they're work is. Demons know what they're up to. Demons know what they have come here in this world to do. They knew what they were doing in this man's life that is described as being strong, that is described as being tormented, that is described as being banished to the tombs, to the land of the dead, to live outside and away from the people uh, they knew their mission, and the mission is as simple as it is laid out in John 10, 10. You know that verse? The enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is the work of the devil and demons. It is to steal, 
whatever is good. It is to kill whatever is alive. It is to destroy whatever is right. They know the mission. And you see it in this man's life. And the, and the, the demons were winning in this man's life. This activity of stealing of stealing, of killing and destroying is the activity of Satan and his forces and goal for every person. That is the goal of the enemy of your soul. Demons and the devil want to steal from you, want to kill you, want to destroy you. People were created to worship God. People were created to worship God, to give God glory. Our lives are to give God glory. And listen, if there is no story, then there is no glory. And when the enemy works to steal life, to kill life, to destroy life, it silences the story of God working and God gets no glory. That's why Psalm 139 is so powerful when you look at that, those verses that talk about the creation of life and life being knit together in the womb. It is the beginning of a life there giving God glory and the enemy works to end, to kill, to steal, to destroy. The, the, the demons know the mission. Number two, the demons know the authority. In many cases, when we speak of demons, there's a shudder. There's a little, oh, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want anything to do with that. It was this way for the people of the city. They were, they were scared of the man. They saw his strength. They saw how he lived. They saw the torment he was experiencing. And he had, had been driven to the tombs. And there was fear that the people of the city had. But I want you to see that in this passage of Scripture, what we see is that the demons had someone that they were scared of. Amen? There was someone for the demons to fear. And you see, when they had this encounter with Jesus, verse 28, it says, When he saw Jesus... He cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, and I believe that this is the voice of the demon speaking, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High, I beg you, do not torment me. And then verse 30, Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. Verse 31, and they begged him. Don't miss that scene. They begged Jesus. <laughs> the demons spoke to Jesus. The city people could do nothing for this man. The chains could not hold this man. The man could do nothing with what he was experiencing. But in verse 28, the immediate recognition by the demons of who Jesus was and what Jesus could do brought them to their They knew their authority. They knew who was in charge. They had tormented this man. They had haunted that city. And yet when they saw Jesus, they knew it was different. My dad taught ag education for a number of years. And there was this story that he would tell. And 
know all the reasons for it, but he, it was this story where he told about a fight that broke out in the classroom one day, and he said, a guy in his room, he had a nickname for, and he would use that nickname anytime he talked to that guy, and the guy was fine with it. And one day, his classmate called that guy by that nickname, and that guy stood up and punched that guy in the face. And they were all just like, this is a quick fight. It was over fast. But the kid, the other kid was just like, what are you doing? Mr. Sibley, the teacher calls you that all the time. And he said, the guy looked at him and said, but you're not the teacher. And there was that moment of like that guy admitting, hey, he, that's fine with me. We, we, we know who's who. And, and this kid was like, oh, it's different. That's not how we relate. The demons here, they had harassed, they had bothered. But Jesus comes and he's like, there's, there's something different here. Verse, this is the third thing. They, they knew the mission, they knew the authority, they know the future. Verse 31, he says, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. They begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. What was the abyss? It's a word that was used nine times in Scripture. Once here in Luke, once in Romans, seven times in Revelation. It was a description of the place where the demons would be kept for eternal separation, eternal torment. The abyss is... This place is talked about in Jude 6. You make note of these. Listen to 2 Peter 2.4. Just a, a little bit of a reference there to what was going on with the demons. 2 Peter 2.4 says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, to be kept until the judgment. And then it goes on to talk about, but you get a glimpse there of this abyss and the demons knew what their future was. Revelation 9, Revelation 18, Revelation 20 talks about the future imprisonment of demons and the devil and God's final judgment. We sing a song here from time to time because we're fighting a battle that's already won. And when we sing that song, it's encouraging because it lets us know that in the end, the ultimate victory, the ultimate victor is Jesus. But you and I know that in everyday life, though that battle is ultimately won, we still experience the difficulty of this life. There is still a fight going on. There is still spiritual warfare going on. But these demons knew what their future was held and I hope in all of this that you see the the limits of the devil and the demonic force let me say these three statements about Jesus now the the overworld the kingdom of light Jesus knows the mission Jesus knows the mission in these verses as you read through here 
you see the, the, the city is upset, the, the man is in torment, the demons are begging and crying out. There's, there, is, um, there is one calm one in the whole crowd, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He knows the mission. In Luke chapter 4, listen to how it reads. Jesus is speaking. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Jesus reads from the scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has given to him to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing Jesus knew who he was, he knew what his mission was, and just like John 10.10 said of the thief that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10 says that Jesus has come to give life and to give life abundantly. Jesus knows the mission, he knows that he's come to give life, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Secondly, Jesus knows the authority. In Matthew 26, when Simon Peter took out his sword and he took off the, uh, the ear of a soldier, Jesus said, put your sword up. Do you not know that I could call my father for 12 legions of angels? Jesus knew that he was the authority. And Jesus, number three, knows the father. He knows the future. He knows the future. And as you look in this story of Luke 8, what happens after Luke 8 is Jesus, before things would happen, just continue to tell the future. In Luke 9, it says in verse 21, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day, be raised. Jesus knew his future. In verse same chapter, verse 44, it says, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Jesus knew that the cross was coming. He knew that he would die there. He knew that he would rise again. Revelation 22, the future that Jesus knew is described as the promises given of Jesus' return to rule and reign. Finally, you just call your attention to what the man knew. Because of his encounter with Jesus, he knew the mission. In Luke chapter 8, verse 39, Jesus says, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And what did he do? He went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. His mission with his life changed was to de declare what what God had done, to proclaim what God had done. He knew the authority. Jesus said, go. He went. 
this man knew the future. Notice that he begged Jesus in verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. Do you know, do you know the desire of every heart when they come to know Jesus? When you come to know Jesus, the desire of the heart is to be with Jesus, to worship him, to be in his presence. And the physical presence of Jesus that was available to this man here in front of him, he's like, I want to stay where you are. Friends, for you and I, what encourages us in this day when Jesus changes our life is that we have this future hope that we too will be with Jesus forever. But until that time, we have a mission. And that mission is to declare the great, the, the good news, to declare the work that God has done in our lives. And so I ask you this, do you have a story? Do you have a story? If you don't have a story today of Jesus changing your life, it's as easy as what Melanie described just a moment ago. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and he will come in if you would open, if you would just say, Lord Jesus, come in. Forgive me. Save me. Be my Lord and Savior. And he'll come in, and he wants to live in you and be your life he wants to give you life he wants to give you abundant life now most in this room this morning you you would know you have a story and i would ask are you telling your story don't let satan steal your story don't let him steal the joy of you talking to others about what god has done about what jesus has done i had one just pretty awesome illustration of this in a letter that I got this week from Bill Hager. Some of you get his letters, and he described, I'm going to read this story as, a, as just a, one little glimpse of how we can tell our story, and then we'll be done. Uh, Bill Hager says, this is a recent email that I got from a professor in South Carolina. Bill works with Christian faculty across a lot of different campuses. The email says, quick question, I was going to include in the who am I slide during my class today in a section about who I am and my hobbies and my families. I was going to include also something about God. Do you think I would have any issues in doing that? I'm not preaching, just sharing what's important to me. Then he says, this is what I got from another professor. You can tell him that I have been introducing myself as a Christian on the first day of class for a couple of years as a PhD student at the University of Chicago. And for 27 years, I've done that at UGA. To my knowledge, no student has ever said anything negative about me just telling who I am. He said, this is from a professor in Florida. In my two classes, this semester, I introduced myself as a Christian just like I was encouraged to do 20 years ago. I, have, I often have students come up to me afterwards and say how encouraging it was. From a professor in Virginia who teaches a class of 1,000 students, after I introduce myself as a Christian, usually several students will approach me expressing interest or having questions. I ask them to have lunch with me or come by my office. Just kind of real life stories there. 
of where uh, followers of Christ like you and I are looking for ways to declare what God has done in their life. Father, I bow before you today and I pray that by your power and by your authority, the work that Jesus has done in our life would not be stolen, stifled, silenced. That you would give us wisdom, you would give us words, you would give us courage, you would give us freedom to declare the good work that you have done. Lord, what would happen? Hundreds upon hundreds of believers just from this place today would be free to declare what God has done. Make us those people, Lord. Make us those people. And Jesus, we pray in your mighty name. Amen.